Our scripture today comes from the first chapter of Luke, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. A couple of weeks ago, I I attended the inaugural or reimagined United Methodist Men's Meeting, and... uh, a token of this great gift, this great season, uh, they gave me a manger set. And, and I know many know what, what that is, and you can pick up one from the United Methodist men in the lobby. But uh, they gave me a set to build with my son named Xavier, and he is three years old. And it was just a great gift, and I just want to say to the Methodist men how appreciative I am. So as I went home that day, there we were in the backyard, and we were building that manger set, and we were attaching the legs to the base, and then we put it all together. And some of the nails went in easier than others, and some of them even stayed straight, but not most of them with a three-year-old, right? After the manger was completed, I asked Xavier, Xavier, where do you want to put this this manger? And he told me that he wanted to put it on the front porch of our house so that everybody who drives past our house can see it. Amazing. Out of the mouths of babes, right? For the past three weeks, as we have been receiving various Christmas packages, various packages with Christmas gifts that we have ordered, every single delivery driver has put the packages in those in that manger. And it has become quite comedic for my wife and I as we have opened the door to find out where the package is. Boom, there it is right in that manger. Or we've opened our phone on the Amazon app and, and there it was. It's a gift, right? It's a gift placed in the manger. But not the gifts that we're talking about. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been diving deeper into the unbreakable gifts of God. Not the gifts that are placed in the manger on my front porch, but the gifts that are born anew and afresh in the manger of the nativity. This Advent series is based on a book entitled Christmas Gifts That Won't Break by James Moore and Jacob Armstrong. And thus far in this season, we have dived deeper into the gifts of love, the gifts of hope. And today we go even deeper and unwrap the gift of God's joy. Will you pray with me? God, give us a stillness this morning to be still and to be know and to bask in your presence. 
to find hope where there is no hope, to find love when all we see is hate, and to find joy even as we may be in the mist in the depths of despair. You offer us a change in our reality to know that deep down you are there with us throughout it all. So God, we pray. May the words of our mouths together and all that is in our heart to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Today we unwrap God's great gift of great joy. And it seems that this is the gift that we are on the hunt for more than anything else. And in this sought-after gift, we try to equate it with an emotion or a feeling, the feeling of being happy. And friends, there's a difference, though, a difference between being happy and being joyful. My grandfather would often say that joy runs deep and overflows while happy just hugs hello. The theologian Henry Nouwen described the difference between joy and happiness as happiness being dependent on the circumstances that are around you, that you are deep surrounded in, while joy, joy is knowing and experiencing the love that God has for you, that you are loved unconditionally, and that nothing can take that away. Nothing can separate you from that love. No, not sickness, not persecution or failure, not anything or pain or grief or even death can take away that joy and that love from you. We might not be happy at some times, but joy can still exist. Even as our outward situation, even as our outward circumstances, we might not find ourselves as very happy, but inside, deep down, there is a joy that steers and stirs within us, that wells up from deep inside of our soul. What does joy look like for you? What brings joy to your heart and from the depth of your being? Joy is a common theme in the songs that we sing in this season. As the praise band sang this morning, joy to the world, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come, the Savior reigns. Repeat the sounding joy. Even beyond this season of Advent, we sing, maybe you learned it at, at church summer camp, or maybe at summer camp in general, or maybe you learned it in preschool. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Oh, you do know it. Let's do it again. I've got the joy, 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 joy. It's down in our heart to stay. Even as we remember with great thanksgiving a beloved one who has passed away and joined the church triumphant, and even as we gather at Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Where are you in this season of Advent? Have you found it yet? Joy. Where have you found joy? Or are you still on the hunt looking for and finding 
and settling maybe for a trivial gift of temporal happiness? Or have you went deeper, searched deeper for the everlasting gift of God's joy? In recent years, I have found out that people find joy in many different things throughout this season. For some, they, they find joy in spending quality time with family and friends. And for others, it is sharing and, and doing different traditions. Traditions like decorating the house or baking cookies or making gingerbread houses or watching Christmas movies, those cherished and beloved Christmas movies like Frosty and Emmett the Otter and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and maybe even Die Hard is a Christmas movie for you. I know there's some debate about that, but it might be. I don't know. Or maybe for you, you like to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and you find joy in that. Some find a glimmer, glimmer or a, a nugget of joy in listening to cherished Christmas carols, Christmas songs like The Little Drummer Boy or Away in the Manger or White Christmas. Or maybe, just maybe for you, that thing that brings you joy in this season is belting out as much and as loud as you can, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Preston, we're going to have you come up and we're going to sing that now, right? In this season, we are all longing for something, and often we fill it with buying and giving gifts. Gifts that are tangible and flimsy and breakable. Gifts that make us lose sight of what this season is really about, and make us lose sight of, of the joy that God offers us. And we try to satisfy this deeply held desire of joy by accepting the things that, as they are, this is not as good as it gets. We want more. We always want things to be perfect. We always want things in this season to be perfect. And maybe that's you. Maybe you are like the one who wants the Christmas lights all along their house taunt and no drooping. Maybe you're like the one who wants their tree to be full with branches straight and the ornaments placed specifically and strategically so there are no gaps. Maybe for you, you're baking and Christmas cookies need to be perfect. The right amount of food coloring and frosting. Maybe it's about the cakes. Maybe it's about the buns and the cakes and the rolls that they have to be baked at the right amount of time. And we try and try and try and it just can't be perfect this year. We try to cater to everybody. We have to get that specific variety of eggnog for our cousin Eddie. We want our, our grandpa Clark to have just whatever he wants for dinner. And, you know, Aunt Karen, she, she just won't. She just won't be happy with anything. There's no pleasing her. In trying to make everything perfect, we run ourselves ragged emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally. And, and so often for us that it, there's no room, there's no time. For us to pause and be still and bask in the beauty of the season. There's no room left in our hearts after the hustle and the bustle for Christ to be born afresh and anew in this season. And maybe that's what we're after. Maybe by having everything consumed of our entire being, maybe that is what we're after. Trying to make everything perfect. We have a topical balm for the yearning that is so much deeper. This morning in our scripture passage that Mike read for us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, we encounter a young teenager, and her name is Mary, and you know Mary. 
Mary is a young teenager who is filled with God's joy, God's great joy, and she lived in a town of Nazareth, which is located about a, uh, 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And Mary, in this scripture passage, is expressing her deep, great joy that God is providing for her and all of God's people. You see, Mary's circumstances were not the most joyful as she gone, went through them. Mary was an unwed teenage woman who was pregnant. And a little earlier from our gospel lesson, we find out that all. In this first chapter of Luke, we find that Mary is encountered by an angel named Gabriel, and he says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary was stunned. The scripture passage says that Mary was perplexed by his words. The angel goes on to tell Mary that she is not to be afraid, that she has found favor with God, that she she will conceive and birth a child, bear a son, and she is to name him Jesus. The shock and awe of this conversation beckons Mary to ask why. How? Why? How can this be? I'm just, I'm still a virgin. Mary asks the angel to give her, uh, and, and he gives her a couple more details. And then he says, oh, and by the way, your cousin, your relative Elizabeth, is expecting a son as well. And she is six months pregnant, and it was thought that she was going to be barren. Wow. Mary's jaw had hit the floor, and as she was picking that jaw up off of the floor, she hears the departing words of the angel, for nothing is impossible with God. Then in no hesitation, Mary answers, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your will and your word. Worried, terrified, she decides to travel to her relative Elizabeth's house. And our scripture says that Mary didn't just walk lackadaisically, but she ran. She went with haste. Mary made this journey from Nazareth to Elizabeth and Zechariah's house to Elikarim, a nearly 100-mile journey, which would take her nine to ten days, and she went and she went. And upon Mary's arrival, as she showed up there, she says a brief greeting, and Elizabeth says, As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And why has this happened? Blessed, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Elizabeth says to Mary. Why has it been that my, the, the mother of my Lord has come to me? This is a fulfillment of not... Oh, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her, Elizabeth says. A fulfillment of that Mary is conceiving and birthing a child named Jesus. A a fulfillment that all the things that the Israelites had been waiting for time and time again, this is going to fulfill. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that God is going to provide the good deeds. This is what they had longed for. This is what they had waited for. And then we have Mary's song from this morning, a song known as the Magnificat, a song that means simply that Mary is praising, that Mary is rejoicing, that Mary is giving it all to God, all of the glory. The song that was stirred up and came from well within her heart. It was an unbreakable gift of joy that God had given Mary. 
And in this unbreakable gift of joy, we find Mary's song. And in Mary's song, we find God's unbreakable kingdom coming about, God's fullness of the kingdom of God. Mary sang about this, and she said, His mercy is for those who honor Him. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the powerful. He has lifted the lowly, and He has filled the hungry, and He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant. What I find so striking about Mary is that even in the midst of everything that is going on around her, she is calm and she is confident that God is going to provide. You see, Mary's life was in grave danger. She was an unwed, pregnant teenager that was betrothed. Joseph and Mary were not just engaged. This betrothal meant that it was a binding legal contract that brought with it stoning and shame if it was breached. At any unguarded moment, a mob could arise and and erupt in the town and surround Mary at the well or at some place in town with murder in their hearts and stones at the ready. Even amid the circumstances, Mary embraces the unbreakable gift of joy that not even death can put asunder. In accepting and embracing God and this gift from God, not even death can separate us. Mary becomes a beacon of God's joy for others. Where do you find joy? Where do you see it around you right now? That's what Elizabeth did. She found that great joy and she accepted it as she accepted Mary, an unwed mother that had joy. That's what Mary did when she rejoiced in God's favor. That's what Jesus did. He brought about joy with him in the kingdom of God. Joy as a gift is an unbreakable gift. It's one that we have to accept. No one can sign for it. For us, we have to accept it. In a time when many are stressed out and distanced, we could all use a little joy. Amen? Especially the great gift of God's great joy. Who can you be a beacon of God's joy for? During this season, many are experiencing loss in some way, shape, or form. Maybe there's been a death. Maybe you have lost your job. Maybe there's been a car accident. Maybe there's health issues. And maybe you just can't find joy this year. Maybe, just maybe, this Christmas and this season always brings about it painful memories of the past. But here's the good news. That even amid our circumstances and situations, God is there with us. Amen? That's good news of of great joy. And as we accept the good news of Christ, we receive these unbreakable gifts, and then we're called to share it with others. This past week, it was shared with me from a small group leader about one of you, the beautiful people of Ebenezer, and how you shared that great joy with someone else. It was told to me about Mike Johnson, who the day before Thanksgiving was in a Texas airport, and, and he had just said that it, everything was weary, everything was stressed. All of these people there, they had an elevated sense of frustration. And Mike, in between flights, said that he stopped at, sweet, he stopped at Chick-fil-A for some sweet tea, because after all, they've got good sweet tea. <laughs> Mike said in front of him was a a ticket agent, and you could tell that she was just maxed out. And the long hours of of dealing with often rude people, and, and she was just very stressed, Mike said. 
let me buy you breakfast, he tapped her on the shoulder, and immediately she said, no. But Mike was persistent, and, and she finally agreed. But Mike said, it's not about breakfast. It wasn't even about him, but it was about sharing and giving that gift of God's great joy and that great love to someone else. Mike said as she finally accepted that gift, she was surprised. She was shocked, and her demeanor had changed. Mike had been a gift of God's joy for someone, and that is what we are called to do. As the Scripture says, we experience God's love and grace and mercy, and we are called to share that with someone else. Even in the midst of fear, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of waiting, we are called to be there for someone else. We're called to let our light shine just as Jesus is coming to us. We are then sent to embody Jesus for someone else. Our world needs a sign of joy. Amen? And let us be that for someone else.